You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, Johnson. The AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California, and streaming live on Ustream, this is AfterBuzz TV for Ringer. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest Ringer news and gossip. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 424-256-1729. That's 424-256-1729. And now, picking up where the show leaves off, and the buzz continues, it's AfterBuzz TV for Ringer! Hello, AfterBuzzers! Welcome, welcome back. Oh, thank you, a little fanfare. Welcome back to Ringer. We took quite a bit of a long break, but... We are back with your episodes 11 and 12 of Ringer tonight. So there's a lot to discuss, not a lot of time to discuss it in. I will do my best to get through everything. I am your host, David Scifaletti. I'm here by myself, so hopefully I can get through everything and not fumble too much up for you. Is that what you're doing, Hobag? That is what I'm doing, Hobag. Um, <laughs> we will get to that. Um, title in a minute, but I think we are going to start off with episode 11. It just got normal. So, after the break, a lot of things, right before the break happened, a lot of things happened that I think just left questions for us fans and and for myself included. And I think we need to start with Siobhan and Henry. And Siobhan is back in New York and she is in Siobhan's way sort of stirring up trouble. She's leading, she's turning up in people's lives that maybe she shouldn't be contacting like Henry. And she's sort of convinced that she can convince Henry that they sh- they are meant to be together. And he's a little less than convinced and I'm not keep using the word convinced and I feel like I'm a broken record <laughs> but Javon is is letting loose in New York and and she's breaking into Henry's office and she's trying to get all this information what she calls the year-end reports and She's getting help from Tyler, and Tyler tells her to go to the apartment, and she breaks into Henry's computer there and is able to download things. But I think the the most interesting thing about tonight's episode and Siobhan's storyline is that the episode started off in the future, went back into the past, and then caught itself up into what we saw two days prior and then two days later. It was a very good mid-season break return episode, I think. And Siobhan is just doing so much damage in New York, as she would, because as we know, Siobhan is just a major bitch. She makes plans with Henry to meet up with her, and then she doesn't show up because she gets stuck in the apartment, but she steals a scarf, and she steals Briv's ring, and 
She's just doing a lot of things that she probably shouldn't be doing and screwing with people that she probably shouldn't be screwing with at the moment, but she's going to do what she wants because this is her life in reality. And most importantly, I think, Siobhan, at the end of the episode, goes to Henry's apartment and starts apologizing for quote-unquote, everything that's been going on tells him that she's going to fix everything with them and that she still loves him. And Henry ends the episode by asking Siobhan, who the hell are you? And you can sort of see the clocks ticking in his brain and he's starting to wonder, is this actually Siobhan? Is this Bridget? Because we know from before the break that Henry is aware of Bridget at this point. And so he's sort of trying to put the pieces together. There wasn't a lot of Siobhan in this episode, but it sort of set us up for what happened this week. Um, on a lighter note, I think, not really a lighter note because it is a ringer we are discussing, um, Bridget is hosting a fundraiser. Not necessarily hosting, but an old friend of hers comes back into her life, or an old friend of Siobhan's comes back into Briv's life, Greer. And she's hosting a fundraiser for the school that Juliet happens to be going to at the moment to raise money for the public school. And, and Briv, shockingly enough to Greer, agrees to help her out with this fundraiser and silent auction and decides that it's perfectly normal to to host the space host this auction at her apartment because they wanted an intimate space and Bridget is starting to realize that there's something going on with Juliet she sort of can't figure out what it is exactly but she knows that there's something wrong because Bridget isn't her quote unquote normal self or who Oh, excuse me, who Juliet has become to be her quote-unquote normal self. She's acting a little bit funnier than she had been before, but in a different way. Excuse me. So Bridget is hosting the silent auction at her house with her old friend Greer, and, and Greer shows up with peonies, which we know from the break, from right before the break, peonies was the name of the hotel... Pivon, P-I-V-I-O-N-E, that Charlie had written down in French. And she's a little bit shocked about the peonies, and she's, she's caught off guard, and, and Greer is not very nice to Brave, or who she thinks is Siobhan. Excuse me, Siobhan. <laughs> always going to call her Siobhan, because that's how you spell her name. And at the the auction, Henry shows up and he starts yelling at Bridget. Unbeknownst to her, she was supposed to meet up with him and she goes outside and and Greer comes out to her and starts to tell her about how she knows about Henry and she knows about their past and why she brought her the peonies because there were peonies all over the hotel in Boston and it was to throw her off her game and and she's not going to tell anyone about it, Greer, that is, about their relationship, Briv's and Siobhan's and Henry's. But she just wants to make sure that things are actually over. And she's actually being a really good friend to her. And and I think that's something that Briv, Bridget as Siobhan, or Brit, 
so confusing for me. Bridget as Siobhan, excuse me, needs in her life right now. She did just lose Gemma, and Gemma wasn't turned out actually not to be that great of a friend for her, despite the fact that Gemma's now dead. But at the party, we're going to have to jump into Juliet as well. She Juliet hasn't told Siobhan and Andrew that her teacher, Mr. Carpenter, forced himself upon her and that she was raped. And she just wants to, where we get the title of the episode, keep things normal because things just got normal. And she doesn't want to mess things up because she, to her, both Siobhan and Bridget... Uh, Siobhan and Andrew didn't necessarily like her so much at this point and she doesn't want to stir up the pot but at the party she is forced to go to that is being hosted at her house she starts to get drunk because she re- she thinks this is the only way that she can get through the night because Mr. Carpenter is there because he is part of the school and she probably had a few too many, which she definitely did, got a little too drunk, and starts yelling out at Mr. Carpenter. And gets escorted to her room by her father, and Siobhan goes in, Briv, goes into the room and starts talking to her. And Juliet finally opens up to her about what happened. Bridget, blind with rage, goes out, decks Mr. Carpenter, throws him out of the house, And like any teenage girl would be if their teacher forced themselves upon her, Juliet is embarrassed by the situation. She just wanted to forget it. She just wanted to move on with her life. And now everybody in her school knows. And she's upset with, with her stepmother, and understandably so, but she sort of has to see it from her stepmother's eyes. I mean... She's just doing what a normal mother would do if they found out that their daughter was raped by their teacher or taken advantage of, whatever the situation was. I mean, a very, very dark storyline for Juliet right now, but there seems to be a light at the end of the tunnel. Andrew does go to the police station, and they are going to have a case against Mr. Carpenter which seems like it's going to be the end of that character. On other news, Malcolm gets a job at Martin and Charles, which I think is inconsequential at this point, but he does get a job through Briv's recommendation to Andrew as a computer tech. That was not very interesting yet, but it seems like it might be. And Machado, another interesting storyline of this last week's episode, is sort of trying to put all the pieces together still on Gemma's case and her death and Charlie slash John's death. And even though it is in the NYPD's hands now, he, as an FBI agent, is still working on it. And the forensics of how Gemma died and then how Charlie died doesn't match up and Bridget's fingerprints are on the gun and how he was shot, how Charlie slash John was killed doesn't, the angle from the gun, I mean, there's no way that he could have killed himself. I mean, he's sort of piecing all of this together and he goes to the Hamptons to figure out who was where and when and he talks to a waitress and he finds out that Siobhan and 
Charlie were in the Hamptons, but not in September, even though there was a picture of Charlie in the Hamptons in September, but they were there together in May, which sort of puts Siobhan in a very bad place in Machado's eyes, whether or not he knows what she was doing. I mean, he thinks that she was somehow involved with Charlie was involved with Bridget, but he wasn't, but he is. There's a lot, there's a lot of circles here and I'm sort of going (laughs) in circles as well. And I'm sorry, I'm trying to organize my thoughts, but there is just so much that I'm, I personally am confused about, which I'm sure you guys are as well. I mean, if you have any thoughts about it, give me a call here, 424-256-1729. I'd love to hear what you have to say on the situation. If you're not as confused, I'm happy for you. (laughs) because I am Um, I think that's everything from episode 11 that was important to talk about Um, another I guess important thing about Machado he does go to Henry they are talking about the case and Henry wants to know why things aren't matching up as well and, and I guess that's why Machado is sort of still working on the case even though he technically shouldn't be or doesn't have to be anymore but let's see if there's anything else here that I need to tell you guys about or discuss. Mm, I do not think so. So I am going to head over to this week's episode, episode 12. What are you doing here, hobag? Which is, for what many of you noticed earlier, Phil <laughs> called me, which was so kind of him. Um, this week... In Ringer News, Juliet's case is on the forefront of everybody's lips, I think. I mean, it's it's always something groundbreaking, I guess, when a, a, a teacher is taking advantage of a student and it comes to light. And it's, it's something that needs to be discussed immediately. The problem is Juliet has called her mother. Catherine shows up in her... How do I put this delicately? Um, well, we can just say what Andrew said. She is a mother when she wants to be, and it's only convenient for her when it's convenient. And this is convenient for Catherine. Juliet needs her mother because she's she's lost and doesn't know what's going on in her life, and so she calls her mother, so she comes to the quote-unquote rescue, even though she's a drunken mess. But early on in the storyline, Catherine seems to be less of a mother figure for Juliet and more of a friend. Um, Kind of how relationships of... I'm going to equal it to Lindsay Lohan and her mother, or more recently Demi Moore and Rumor Willis, um, a mother who parties with their daughter, uh, or a mother who is living through their daughter's lives. Catherine is less than a mother figure and more of a friend for her to Juliet and is a, actually a really bad influence for Juliet. She takes her to skip school to go have breakfast and to go to the three major B's of shopping in New York, Barney's, Bergdorf's, Bloomingdale's, um, which is any teenager's dream in New York, I think, to just skip school and go shopping all day long with your mother. I know that was my dream. <laughs> Uh, 
but when they come back from shopping, the principal is in the house and has a DVD of the quote-unquote public spaces in the school because that's something that they have to monitor. And there is a video of Juliet coming on to Mr. Carpenter. So it sort of looks like the case that they had against him, even though it was just Juliet's word against the teachers at this point, is going to have to be settled outside of court, if not dismissed completely, because it looks like Juliet wanted it. Excuse me, which, even if she did, is completely inappropriate for a teacher to go through with. I'm just going to put that out there. Um, And Catherine just lets loose. She starts yelling at Juliet. She calls her a slut. She calls her many other horrible things that her mother should not be talking to her. No way that a mother should be speaking with their daughter in a delicate situation like this. And things are tricky. And Andrew said it best. I mean, it's just not so black and white anymore. There's a lot to consider at this point. Catherine, in my (laughs) book, needs to be locked away. She has her own substance abuse problems and is probably not helping anything right now. She is getting drunk and, and burning pictures of Juliet as a child and saying, I'm having a funeral for my daughter. My baby is gone. Andrew literally picks her up and throws her out of the house. And Juliet regrets calling her. The next morning, Juliet is gone with Andrew. They've gone to breakfast. She's left a note for her mother. Her mother gives, Catherine, that is, gives Siobhan Briv um, some sage advice, I guess. I mean, it just gives her a little insight into what she needs to be doing, but we'll get to that later. And the best thing we find out is that Mr. Carpenter, Juliet was not Mr. Carpenter's first quote-unquote victim. There is another girl in her school that decides to come forward to let Juliet know that he forced himself upon her as well. Her name is Tessa. So whether or not this girl's coming back is yet to be seen, but it does sort of give a little bit more weight to Juliet's case that there is now another victim. Um, and speaking of cases, Machado is flying to Colorado to speak to Jimmy, whom we haven't seen for a while, and he is trying to make a deal with him to get information about Bridget. And he doesn't really get anything from Jimmy. He lets him know that he'll lighten the load if he decides to give some information about Bridget and move him and make him more comfortable. And Jimmy does get the crap beat out of him within jail. And so he comes forward and confesses, but he confesses to something that they know he wasn't involved with. And he's playing both sides of the table at the moment. Jimmy, that is. Machado is still trying to put the pieces together about Gemma's case. He thinks he finally gets Bridget when he just ends up with Siobhan, the real Siobhan, um, with the help of Henry, which we'll get to. And he thinks Bridget is trying to be Cora Farrell, but we know that that's Siobhan's alias, even though he doesn't know that. And I think that's it for Machado. He didn't really have that much of a storyline. I mean, he was there a lot, but... Everything involved about him was with Siobhan, which we should just jump into. He, Siobhan was a, was a lot more interesting this week. She, at the beginning of the episode, is with Henry where we left her off, and she's lying to him and telling him, I had to 
end our relationship to keep us safe and it had to seem real and I couldn't I can't stand lying to you even though she's lying to him at the moment boldfacedly and they sort of have this super passionate kiss and she runs out and says meet me tomorrow at 7 so Henry, unbeknownst to Siobhan, Siobhan, is following her all around. He follows her to the pawn shop where she pawns the ring that she stole last week for $15,000, even though it's worth 10 times more. And Siobhan then meets this guy, Solomon, in an alleyway to get passports and visas. She gives him the $15,000, but she wants a new alias on it because that one has... Cora Farrell on it, and she wants Rebecca Sheldrake now, which is a an alias that we have yet to hear about, but I'm sure will be something that we need to keep our eyes on. And Siobhan gets arrested by Machado at the restaurant because Henry thinks she's Bridget, and then they go back to the station and he takes her fingerprints, and it's Siobhan, it's not Bridget, conveniently. I mean, good for her that she can get out of that that way, but it's sort of leads Siobhan to have to come clean to Henry about everything, which she's been trying to do, and let him know that she can explain everything. She wasn't involved in Gemma's murder, even though she technically was. And she is, again, trying to pin everything on Bridget to get Bridget out of her life. And... Towards the end of the episode, she brings Henry outside of her old apartment where Bridget is living now, living her life, because Siobhan saw last week that Bridget, her twin sister, is getting a little too comfortable in the life that she left for her with her current husband, Siobhan's current husband, Andrew, and Briv's fake husband. <laughs> see there's so much it's very confusing I need a little timeline or like something like that to help keep it all straight and she shows Henry that both women are in New York at the same time and she says to him you believe I'm Siobhan right and he says yes and she says look over my shoulder and Bridget is getting out of the uh, a limo walking up and he realizes that the Siobhan that he thought was Siobhan is actually Bridget and the Bridget that he thought was Bridget is actually Siobhan and now he's probably more confused <laughs> than ever because I think I've talked myself into a hole. Um, throughout this entire episode though, Briv is hot on Siobhan's trail. She is sort of trying to figure everything out that she can. She realizes she knows that Siobhan is still alive. She knows that she's not dead. And she's hot on this peony thing that she found from Charlie, but it's a dead end. She tells Malcolm over the phone. We did not see Malcolm this week, by the way, even though he did take the job at Martin and Charles officially. And Bridget is confronted about the ring that was stolen that was then pawned and Andrew gets it back for her. I think that's sort of a a dead storyline in my opinion. And Bridget 
calls the Pivoine Hotel in Paris to get a copy of the charges, and she realizes that Siobhan was staying there under her alias, Cora Farrell, and that sort of goes nowhere because she can't really get information from them because she doesn't have the credit card that was involved, but she then calls Andrew's assistant and says, when was the last time we were in Paris? And she's like, I have no record of either of you going to Paris ever together separately or together but he's andrew's going in a couple weeks do you want me to make arrangements for you to go with him and she's like why are we going and she's like you're meeting with he's meeting with tyler and she was like oh why does that name sound familiar long story short she patches him through to tyler in paris she talks to tyler gets some information from him about solomon someone that siobhan is actually meeting and she's like oh solomon right solomon she hangs up the phone and what she finds out from Catherine, which is also something that Siobhan heard from Henry about the word jumbles. And it was something that Siobhan and Bridget used to do as children. They would jumble up words to give each other secretly coded messages. And Briv realizes that Siobhan has done that to her address book. And so she goes through the address book trying to figure out who this Solomon character is because she couldn't, she did, didn't find the name Solomon in the address book. So she goes through sees a name, figures out that that is the name for Solomon and the phone number. She calls the number. She, The guy, she says, she goes with the alias Cora Farrell and this man picks her up in a limo and she says, I want the usual. And he was like, did you bring your gun? And she was like, my gun. And he's like, oh, I just assumed you want to go to the airport. And this is when Bridget finds out that nine months before the trial, before her trial and before the murders, Siobhan was in Wyoming where Bridget was living. And I think that is everything that happened. If I missed anything, I am sorry, but I did my best to recap both episodes without going on and on and on forever because I probably could have. No, I probably could not have. Um, We're going to head over to a quick commercial break and we're going to come back with your news and gossip. After Buzz TV. Hi, I was once like you, a lazy, angry loner whose only joy was watching TV and surfing the net. And like you, after I'd see one of my favorite TV shows, I'd be so excited and have so many questions that I'd actually have to talk to my douchebag coworkers about it at the water cooler. Then I discovered AfterBuzzTV.com. AfterBuzz TV produces after-show webcasts and podcasts for TV series of all kinds, like post-game wrap-up shows for all your favorite TV shows. AfterBuzz TV hosts are industry insiders who break down episodes of shows, take calls from fans, and interview cast and crew from each series with over 60 different after-shows, from Boardwalk Empire to American Idol to Vampire Diaries to Real Housewives and more. Now, after a night of TV, I can ignore my stupid co-workers, who I hate, and go straight to my desk and watch or listen to all my favorite AfterBuzz TV aftershows and have all the TV fan interaction I need. Thank you, AfterBuzz TV. AfterBuzz TV. What do you want to buzz about? AfterBuzz TV News. Sarah Michelle Gellar was barred from talking to Eli Manning backstage at at the Late Show with David Letterman. Giants fan Sarah Michelle Gellar hoped to meet Super Bowl MVP Eli Manning when both were slated to appear on the Late Show with David Letterman last night. However, the Ringer actress revealed the security had barred her from conversing with the quarterback. You were a Giants fan when you were a kid, Letterman asked Gellar, who was best known for her work on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I was, said Gellar, nodding enthusiastically. We had season tickets when I was a 
kid. I used to sit out there and freeze on the 50-yard line, but I was on the plane last night, so I only got to see half of the game. Sarah Michelle Gellar hoped to meet Eli Manning when both were guests on The Late Show. However, security wouldn't let her near him. Letterman asked, did you get to see Eli backstage? And she said, quote, no, his security wouldn't let me near him. It was weird. I was trying. I was like, no, really, I'm just a big fan. I think that they're... I think that's where I went wrong. I just want an autograph and a lock of his hair, but they said no. Awkward. Despite Geller's presence, Manning was the guest of honor at the late night show. He received a long-standing ovation as he walked to the couch. Queen's We Are the Champions was playing as his entrance music. When you win a championship, it's a team. It's a team coming together, and that's exactly what we did, Manning told Letterman, refusing to take credit for the Giants' win. He said, quote, I was happy for the lot of the guys. This is their first Super Bowl, so I think when you have one, that second one, you really do it for the other guys who've never had the experience. Sorry, Sarah, I guess you're not as big of a star as Eli Manning. On the show, though, Sarah Michelle Gellar was stunned to discover her very first car has been put up for sale by an anonymous owner for $3,000. <laughs> The host presented the actress with a surprising find, an online classified featuring Geller's pre-owned 1995 two-door Chrysler LeBron convertible. The advert was placed on Craigslist by a Long Island, New York resident, but Honest Geller has warned fans to hold on to their hard-earned money because the vehicle is way overpriced. She says, quote, that would, that would actually be my very first car I ever owned. I never thought I was cool on that car. Ever. Someone is on Craigslist selling it for a way overpriced $3,000, but selling it as my car. It's got to have like 200 miles on it. I'm sure y'all are going to bid on this at home right now because what you really want is a really bad, badly dinged up, used by a teenage Sarah Michelle Geller green Chrysler LeBron. I mean, if you do and you're, in, and you're on Long Island, <laughs> why the hell not? Um pretty awesome though that someone knows that that's actually her first car and a little creepy at the same time i don't think i will be heading to long island to purchase that car but if anyone is out there good luck i wish you the best <laughs> being creepy with sarah michelle geller <laughs> and that is your after buzz tv news and gossip for the week of february 7th <laughs> and on that note we're going to jump right into predictions and now your after buzz tv Okay, so what can we predict for next week? We see that this Solomon character does come back from the preview. Um, and Bridget tells, or someone, Bridget or Siobhan, says that they need answers and they're willing to pay double. I do think that's Bridget, though, talking to Solomon. I'm going to stick to that. And she finds out... Bridget finds out that Siobhan has been lying to her, so she wants to know what else she's been lying about. Um, I think next week we're going to get a lot more of Juliet's case against Mr. Carpenter, and that is going to be a stronger plot line for her, which I love because Juliet's sort of becoming one of the forefront characters for us, and she's a fantastic little actress. Um... I think that's it, really. I can't really think of anything. My brain is fried. Don't forget to tune in with us again next week 
Tuesday night, 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Hopefully I'll have some co-hosts the next week. Maybe not. Don't forget to tell your friends. From everyone here at AfterBuzz TV, myself, David Skiffalitti. You can follow me on Twitter at You Can Call Me Skiff. Let me know if I miss anything, and I will bring it up next week. Have a wonderful night. Thank you for joining me. See you next week. From producers Kevin Undergaro and Phil Svitek, <laughs> engineer DJ Jesse Janity, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. If you have questions or comments, be sure to buzz us at info at AfterBuzzTV.com. And you can find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter by searching for AfterBuzzTV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.